0: Welcome back to season two of Extra Shot with Alicia Fernandez Miranda, yours truly. The author of my what-if year, ex-CEO, sometimes intern, coffee-obsessed mom. Extra Shot is part podcast, part talk show, part games, advice, and whatever else my delightful guests and I can cook up for you. My aim is to bring some hilarity, inspiration, and ultimately a jolt of energy to your day because we all need an extra shot of something. What's in your cup? Happy New Year and welcome back. We're here for season two. Did you think it was over? It's not over. We are starting off 2024 with a bang. I cannot wait to introduce my guest today, who is really going to help us think about setting up the new year in the right way. Pooja Lakshman, who I spoke to, is really all about self-care, but real self-care, not the crystals and bubble baths kind. And she and I had the most amazing chat about what to bring into the new year with us. It's full of inspiration, and I cannot wait for you to hear it. It is better than any resolution that you are going to set and will potentially break by February. Before I tell you all about today's guest, I want to tell you about something extremely exciting that I am doing in 2024. I am taking a small group of people on the trip of a lifetime, a retreat, starting in London and ending up on the beautiful Isle of Skye. At Kinlock Lodge. If you read my What If Year, you will know this was the place that I very poorly waitressed. But don't worry, I'm not going to be waitressing this trip. I'm going to be with you having the time of our lives. We are going to take a fitness class with Frankie from Retro Glow in London, tour an art museum. Then we're going to take the overnight sleeper train up into the Highlands before ending up at the beautiful, beautiful Kinlock Lodge. Have I said beautiful so many times? It's because. Words can't really describe how gorgeous this place is. We're going to taste some whiskey. We're going to do some walking, some foraging. We're going to eat amazing food. And we're going to spend some time thinking about our own what-ifs, what they look like, and planning them to make them happen. I cannot wait for this. This trip is happening in October of 2024. And as of recording this, I still have a few spots left. So please go to my website, aliciafmiranda.com to learn all about the retreat. Book your spot because we are gonna have the best time. I think going to Scotland is excellent self-care perhaps. And that is what today's guest is all about. Dr. Pooja Lakshman, MD, is a board-certified psychiatrist, author, keynote speaker, and contributor to the New York Times. Her book, Real Self-Care, Crystals, Cleanses, and Bubble Baths Not Included, is a national bestseller and has been featured in more places that I can count, including Good Morning America, The Ezra Klein Show, The Guardian, NPR's Code Switch, and translated into eight languages. Pooja serves as a clinical assistant professor of psychiatry at George Washington University School of Medicine and maintains an active private practice where she treats women struggling with burnout, perfectionism, and disillusionment, as well as clinical conditions like depression, anxiety, and ADHD. She frequently speaks, advises, and consults for organizations on mental health, well-being, and real self care. And if you want more of Pooja, I highly recommend you buy her book and also subscribe to her newsletter, Therapy Takeaway, which is available for free on Substack. Enjoy this chat. I hope it helps you kick off the new year in the best possible way. And I cannot wait to see what 2024 is going to bring for us all. We are back for season two, baby. I'm so excited. Pooja, are you excited to be here with me? I am so excited to be here. (laughs) We have been trying to do this for a while, but because of many micro and macro and systemic things, we have not been able to find the time to connect until now. But I am so excited that you are kicking us off in 2024 with this very first season two episode of Extra Shot.
1: Well, I am so thrilled to be here and I also think that, you know, it's even kind of like the scheduling back and forth is just such a nice kind of like real self-care learning, right? Because it's all about being honest about your capacity and and yes. what you have going on and even for us, I feel like we were really kind of transparent over email of kind of like, oh, this is going to be a good week. Oh no, that's not going to be a very good week and and so I'm just thrilled to be here with you and and have this time together.
0: I mean, I actually loved I feel like you were really living the values you espouse in your book because you were very good at setting boundaries. You were like, this time is going to be difficult for me. And then, you know, I think you shared this on Instagram and publicly, you had kind of a big health journey this year as well that was really unexpected. So my first question is, like, how are you? Where are you in life right now? Like, how are you doing? Yes,
1: so you know they don't tell you about what a book launch will be like. It's <laughs> it's very humbling. You know, I I'm a psychiatrist. You know, I I take care of patients. I'm a quote unquote an expert on mental health, and I wrote this book called Real Self Care. And the book launch really burnt me out. I think because the first time you're going through it, it's just so many new requests and so many more demands on your time and and you haven't learned yet your own system. And so I'm doing a lot better now. I'm about, I guess, nine months out and I've come to understand sort of the lay of the land now and, and what things are energizing and what things are energy depleting. And so I have a better understanding of kind of how to parse out my time. So, yeah. So, but you know, what I talk about in real self-care is that, you know, it's not something that you ever stop doing in every new season of your life, whether it's a new career role, a transition, a baby, a parent that gets sick, right? All these different things. You're just kind of like relearning. It gets easier each time. Yeah. Like I knew much faster than in the past that like, oh, whoa, I
0: need to slow down. Yeah, But it's, it's still always like you're kind of on this journey. I so hear you. I mean, I, so I read this book after I had gotten back from, I, t- I took a big break from touring in the summer. So my book came out in February. I was yep. everywhere. My MO was that I said no to nothing because- Right, I was like, right. I got well, it that was your whole book. <laughs> exactly. My <laughs> book is my first book. This is so exciting. I said yes to everything that was asked of me. I did Facebook Lives at midnight my time because everybody on the East Coast was like, just oh, getting gosh. home from work. Oh. I did- three trips to the U.S. in like a two-month period from where I live in Scotland, some with my kids, some without. I mean, I really absolutely like burnt the candle on both ends. And then I come home and I read Real Self-Care and I'm like, (laughs) I have been doing this all wrong. No number of bubble baths in the world is going to help me be better at doing things. And I found your book really challenging in an amazing way because it challenged a lot of what I thought I was just, you know, I kind of see myself, and I think a lot of my friends do too, I'm like the the infinite resource, right? Like mm-hmm. I if I'm managing everybody, my time, my resource that I'm putting out in the world, that's just going to keep going. I'm going to push myself as hard as I can. And your book made me stop and think about what are the long-term effects of that? Why am I doing that? Maybe I should stop doing that. So I read it at an excellent time when I was like coming down from book tour and being like, hold up, maybe I should take a little break for a little while. So I really appreciated how it came to me. So I first heard about you via Jessica Gross's writing. I know that you know her. She, You were often quoted in her pieces in the New York Times Parenting. And then I, I thought that her book, Screaming Into the Void, The Unsustainability of American Motherhood, could almost be read as a companion to your book in a lot of ways. And really what you... Both did so exceptionally well as kind of call attention to the problem, and you provide some amazing solutions. So now the book has been out in the world, you've met tons of people. Are you feeling like people are taking in this message? Do you think we are moving forwards around this issue, or are we moving backwards?
1: Yeah, great question. And I think I have a couple thoughts. So, one is that when I wrote Real Self Care, it kind of was a two part thesis one to sort of really unpack the wellness industry, which is like, you know, in 2022, the wellness industry was a $5.3 trillion industry. And really to kind of call out that like, you know, you can't meditate your way out of a 40-hour work week without Mm. childcare. Like that is just, that's not how wellness is supposed to work, but that's what we've been sold. Right. Mm. And it's, you know, at best it's condescending, and at worst, it's, you know, man- manipulative and predatory at times. But I wanted to go further than that because I am a psychiatrist and I do take care of patients. And, you know, I have a understanding from a clinical standpoint and a research standpoint of like, well, then what do we do instead? Because I think right now in the conversation, there is a lot of cynicism and a lot of kind of like, okay, well, it's just all a shit show. So I'm just going to throw up my hands and, yep. you know, and that's not actually helpful either mm-hmm. because the reality is in the same way that we know study after study shows that like exercise, exercise is probably, and I don't even like, I feel like the word exercise is kind of triggering, especially to my patients and to me you know, who has time to exercise, moving your body, yeah, <laughs> moving yeah, your yeah, body, yeah. like study after study, even if it's just 10 minutes a day is universally so important for better health outcomes. There's actually similar things when it comes to mental health, Mm. the quality of your friendships and your relationships, having actual real authentic connection. So we see that in the research, but then it's sort of like, okay, but then how do you actually do that? And that's what real self-care is. And that's why there's four principles. Mm -hmm. They're not steps, they're principles. So it's boundaries, compassion, values, power. Boundaries, compassion, values, power. And it is kind of abstract because my whole thesis is like, you can never tell somebody, you can't prescribe somebody their real Mm self-care. Like the thing that's going to be real self-care for me is going to be different than what is real self-care for you, Alicia, and and for every single listener. So you have to work through the principles and that's internal. And it is it's not as easy as just like going to Target and buying, you know, a pretty plant that looks nice. Although I love going to Target and buying Sometimes plants. that does feel nice for right, the short right. term. It's not, It's not. And I'm not trying to, you know, I have, as I've been on tour and talking about the book, you know, a lot of times people are like, well, Puja, but like, you know, I really like yoga. I really like meditation. I really like my fancy face cream. And I'm not saying that those are wrong or bad. What Mm -hmm. I'm saying is that you have to have right-size expectations. Like that bubble bath is not going to fix the systemic problems in our country. If you need it as an escape, great. But just know that that's what it is.
0: I mean, I think that there's also this real feeling of kind of guilt and shame and like you've done something wrong, right? If you buy in to one of these solutions and the plant from Target doesn't make you feel better and it doesn't fix your problems. And that being really... Self-directed. And I think one thing your book and so many of these discussions are opening up is that actually we're not the screwed up ones because we don't feel great when we buy a plant and that just solves all of our problems. Right. I mean, are you hearing that kind of almost consciousness raising as you go out and talk about the book on tour?
1: Yes, I yes, I I am. And you know, one of the reasons that I decided to write a book, because I do still see patients, I have a private practice and but I can only impact so many people individually. And I've learned in my own journey that in order to take care of my mental health, I can't see patients five days a week because I burn out, right? So writing a book allows me to kind of get this message across. And and I do think it's really resonating, you know, from what I'm seeing from the media requests that I'm getting. I got to go on the Ezra Klein show and and chat with Tressie, which was like, oh my gosh, I was totally fangirling. I think we're ready to kind of dive deeper, to go a layer deeper into commodified wellness. And to like the whole thing with real self-care is that we do have agency. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, no, we can't fix everything. Yes, change always takes much longer than we want it to. And two things are true at once. You can set boundaries in your life. You can have hard conversations. You can actually think deeply about, okay, what really matters to me? And how do I rearrange my schedule? to have more time on the things and the people and the relationships and the activities
0: that align with my values. Do you see mostly kind of your audiences that have been coming out and I've, you know, been following you on Instagram so I know you've been everywhere and had loads of people. Is it mostly millennial women who uh, I am, elder millennial at least? Do you see, are you seeing like older people, Gen Zs, like what's the kind of does this book hit the same because it is so everything in here I'm like yes. Yes, yes. And I'm wondering if people younger and older than me by a significant degree are responding to it in the same way. Yeah, that's been really
1: surprising. A nice surprise for me because I also am a geriatric millennium. (laughs) I'm going to be 40 later this month or in December. Mm -hmm. And my patients are all women and are pregnant postpartum because I'm a perinatal psychiatrist. So yeah, it's like this very, that was my audience prior to the book. And so a lot of the clinical stories are that kind Mm -hmm. of cohort. But there's been a few like TikTok, book talk people Uh that have shared the book. And so I am starting to see like a Gen Z, a younger audience. And it is really interesting because they, I think they are so much more hungry for like almost like didactic sort of mental health, like really kind of like literacy on some of these topics of like, what actually is a boundary? Like what actually is compassion? What does it look like? I think from a millennial standpoint, I think all of us, not that all millennials are parents, but you know, like it's, I think we have more systemic outrage because we're kind of like living that, I think somebody called it the Panini generation. We're like living <laughs> that. Whereas Gen Z and younger millennials haven't quite hit that spot right. yet. So they don't necessarily, I mean, they're there with climate change for sure, yeah. and climate justice, but not with the caregiving crisis yet. Yeah. yeah. And then the other really cool thing is that I've probably gotten 20 to 30 like emails from men Mm. Who have been like, I know I'm not your in your demographic, like I'm an, a white male boomer, <laughs>
0: but I read your
1: book and I really enjoyed it and I, I got a lot of gems from it and and so that's been really nice to yeah, because I wasn't expecting that. there when I did my event in New York with Vivi. It was at Vivi in in Manhattan, there was a guy who his wife had bought a ticket. But she got stuck at work late. So he came instead and they had two young kids. And at the end, at the book signing, he was like, Pooja, I'm so glad that I was the one that showed up because I just felt like I learned so much about what she was going through. And it was actually just, it was better for me to be here and and get this message. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that conversation is going to stay with me forever, right? Like it's just- Now I'm
0: wondering, was this like a brilliant plan on her part? She was like, (laughs) I'm working late. How can you go instead of me? Right. That's genius <laughs> for it <smart. laughs> it worked out. No, but that's really beautiful, actually, that it's like reaching across so many different audiences, which is, I guess, the nice thing about writing a book is that you never know right. whose hands it's going to end up in. So you said that you worked with moms. I know your practice is around mothers. You became a mom fairly recently. You have a little kid. Do you feel mm-hmm. like that changed your perspective on these issues after becoming a mom or... Maybe you were better prepared than all the rest of us because you knew so many moms. You were like, oh, this is going to be hard.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I think two things. One, I think it radicalized me even more. <laughs> like it made me even more enraged that everything I say in the book is like, I want to scream it even louder. And and I was better prepared. You know, I, I was able to take a, a lot of preventative steps that I knew because I had been practicing for six or seven years and and... Knew all the evidence based strategies that you could put in place to minimize the chance of postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety. And being somebody who previously had struggled with depression and anxiety, I knew that I was high risk. So, you know, I went back on an SSRI, I was able to afford getting a postpartum doula so that we were able to get more sleep. And obviously, privilege plays a role in that, being able to afford it, you know, and having the education to be able to make that happen. But also real self-care, like setting the boundaries and saying to my partner, like, no, we are going to start paying for childcare like from day one even though he had a paternity leave, right? Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like a line in the sand. So all of that for sure helped. But I think it, it was a little bit of a blessing and a curse because, you know, I knew all the bad things.
0: <laughs> and... Noah's <laughs> no, coming to talk to you about how great it is, right? Right. How right. they found themselves in your office.
1: <laughs> right, right. I mean, I hear the great things once people get better, which people do. So that's the good news. But, you know, like most doctors, I was probably preparing for the worst. But, you know, I think even knowing everything that I did, just the demands, the demands on your brain of of especially like being a mom that works outside the home.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: this phase that I'm in now where my son is, he's almost a year and a half. So he's a toddler. Yeah. And my career now is, you know, I see patients, but I'm also like traveling. I, I didn't used to travel for work. I'm doing speaking engagements and consulting. And it's really, it's hard. I mean, I'm, I'm having to kind of try and figure out, okay, like what, what pieces of this do I want? What works? What doesn't? And there's no... Easy answers, you know. Emily Oster says there's no secret option C, <laughs> and right, like there's no secret option C. There's just you know pros and cons, and and you always have to make sacrifices yeah. of whether that is financially or time wise, or right, like it's there's no magic. Yeah, secret bullet.
0: <laughs> I have a WhatsApp group with three of my closest friends. All our moms all work outside of the house. All very, very busy and demanding careers, and a lot of that WhatsApp group is us being like, okay, so here's the situation. I have, you know, my youngest child's first day of school is this day, but there's this meeting that I want to go to or that I need to go to in North Carolina. But there's also this retreat I want to go to in South Carolina. And all of these things are happening within a 24-hour period. What do I do? And oftentimes it's just because you're right. There is never one like, here is the perfect answer to completely optimize your schedule. It's like, this sucks. Something's going to have to give. What's the thing that you feel like you really want slash need to be out right now? And also just reminding each other that it's normal that we have to make choices and prioritize. And, you know, I don't know if my mom was doing that with her friends. I'm sure she was not. My mom worked full time as a, when I was a kid. And my dad, you know, is an incredible man, but did not help, did not change a diaper, did not do any childcare. And I don't know that she had that kind of support from her peers to be like, hey, this is really hard and we're all in this together. And I i mean, I certainly rely on that a lot. I think a lot of people do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that I totally agree. I think we are having these conversations in our text threads, in our friend groups, and and i think it's kind of like it's it's validating it's normalizing like normalizing that you have to choose mm. that choosing that the fact that you have to choose doesn't mean that you've made the wrong that you've made a wrong decision somewhere it's just because we all have such full lives i always like to reframe it to my patients and to myself is kind of like these are actually good problems to have like what a full life that i have built for myself that these are all of the options in front of me and a
0: nice way to think about it I love that. I'm going to steal that um, in my WhatsApp yes, group. Yes, please do. You all, please do. You'll all be hearing this in my WhatsApp group soon. <laughs> so I kept coming back to this question after I finished it, and I did actually send them all your book when I read it. I was oh. like, oh my God, guys, everybody has to read this. I was thinking, so my kids are 12 now. They are becoming aware of the world. They certainly have much more fluency in the type of language around, you know, they they understand more or less what a boundary is in a way that I did not at 12 years old, right? Yeah. But what would your advice be for parents thinking about how to keep your children from falling into this trap of wellness and kind of quick fix solutions? You know, how do we preempt this basically? Like so our kids don't have to read this book because they're already doing all of this stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all everybody's kids should read this book and continue buying it forever (laughs) and ever and ever. But (laughs) thank you. In addition (laughs) to that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I have a couple of thoughts there. So the first thing that I would say is. One, recognize that your kids are already ahead of the game. Like what you said in the beginning of, of their vocabulary, their language around mental health is already leagues above what you and I had growing up. You know, I see it with my son. You know, we watched Daniel Tiger, which is just like so, you know, so much there in terms of like yes. describing your feelings and language and right. So they already have a head start. So that's good. Two, from a research from the research shows that modeling is so important. Mm. So knowing that each time you make a hard choice for yourself in terms of setting boundaries or in terms of making a decision that's aligned with your values, taking the extra step to explain to your kids, because they're 12, so they they can follow that. So to say, okay, well, you know, I had this work opportunity that came up. And then we also had this family event. And it was tough for me. And I made the choice because X, Y, Z is something that's really important to me. So actually, like, taking the time to walk through it with them yeah. is also... That helps because they see you doing it. But then they also then start to have a scaffolding and a framework for how to talk to themselves about future decisions that will come up. And then in the same vein, you can, because they're preteens, so they're, they're probably in sports and activities and they're kind of like getting to that stage where it's going to be like high school and college and things like that. So they have to make their <laughs> own hard choices, right? Mm-hmm. Of like their own teen version of like, I have a work trip and I have this thing and that thing because they can't do everything. Yeah. So actually really being a generous thought partner with them to help them talk through, okay, well, what is the reason that I want to be on the swim team, right? Like, what does the swim team mean to me? And and what does that art class mean to me? And like, kind of like helping them go layers deeper as opposed to kind of just being like, well, you're just going to do X, Y, Z. And, you know, I grew up in a, in a typical, Asian immigrant family where it was just like, well, just do everything. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> just do everything and get into an Ivy League college. Right. And yep. so I think that's what I would say. So it's a lot of like communicating your own decision-making yeah. and then also helping them through communicating their own as well. I love that. And I then I always like to caveat important. this with like, you're always going to make mistakes and that's a normal part of parenting too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and also sometimes I have to be like you both have to do this activity because that's the time I can pick you up from school. Yes, okay. right. That's the only reason you have to do yes. the same thing on the same day. <laughs> yeah.
1: That right. also happens. And, and, but home. I think that that's part of modeling too, right? right? That that's showing that you are you as their mom are also a person and a human being that has your own activities and interests and work and, and not everything revolves around them.
0: Whoja I could talk to you all year, but <laughs> we can't talk all year. I mean, we we could actually, but let's not on this podcast. <laughs> but, you know, you are kicking us off in 2024. So I want to finish up with some of your like top 2024 non-bubble bath related self-care tips. What are the things that you think we should be entering the year with for the people who are listening to this?
1: Yeah. So my number one tip from Real Self-Care is the pause. So we hear so much about boundaries. Mm. I think that there's kind of like a lot of misconceptions about boundaries. For me, a boundary is the pause. It's the space in between when somebody asks you something, when you get an email, when you get a request, and and when you respond. So you pause Mm -hmm. and you think... And then you always have three options. Yes, no, or negotiate. No always comes with a cost, mm-hmm. right? So we can't pretend that it doesn't come with a cost. But the pause is always accessible. So I would love for folks who are listening to think about what, where can I incorporate the pause today, right? Just in the micro level of like the next email that comes in, the next ask that comes in, the next time my kid wants something. And then even thinking about it on a macro level for your year, for 2024, like, what is something, a bigger life decision that you feel like maybe there's some level of urgency or I like I need to know, or can I give myself the space of the pause to take the time to reflect internally and think about what's most important to you and, and what really feels authentic for you in making that decision?
0: That is such a brilliant tip. It's like that flashing red badge on my emails or my messages (laughs) and the feeling, the compulsion almost to respond right away. And just not even saying no to things, but actually just taking a moment, taking a breath. What an amazing way to start the year. Everybody go out and buy real self-care, crystals, cleanses, and bubble baths not included. Pooja, this has been amazing. I cannot wait to see what brilliant gems you drop on us next. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Alicia, for having me. And that's a wrap on this episode. Thanks for tuning in to Extra Shot with Alicia Fernandez Miranda. A very special shout out goes to my superstar team at Texture Sound for their support. Find out more about what I'm up to, my writing, events, and even the retreat I'm planning in Scotland at my website, aliciafmiranda.com or Instagram at aliciafmiranda. I'll talk to you next week.